0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. Christ. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise be to you, Lord Christ. Christ.
1: thank you for joining us here this morning. We please pray with me, Father. We ask now as we come to your word that you would send your Holy Spirit, and your Holy Spirit would take your words down to the very bottom of our souls, and that your name might be great in our minds, in our meditation, in our hearts, in our lives. We pray that now, and that my words, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and, uh, well, rather, we're going through the Lord's Prayer that's found in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. Last week, Tim talked about the grounds for all of our prayer, and that the first words of this Lord's Prayer are Our Father. And that we come as sons and daughters adopted to God the Father through the work of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we come to the very first ask from the Lord's Prayer, the first petition that we make of God in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus leads us into. And it is hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed. We don't really use that word very much anymore. Perhaps you're familiar with it from Harry Potter, the deathly hallows, but we don't hallow, use that word anymore, but we certainly hallow things still. Hallow means to treat something as significant, worthy, weighty, sacred, and ultimate. We hallow days, for example, anniversaries and birthdays. A couple of weeks ago was Aaron's mom's birthday and this April will be three years since she passed away, since she died, and so we hallow that day on her birthday. I go and get some sunflowers, which was our mom's favorite flower, we put them in the house, and we marked that day as significant and weighty. And that's what we're doing, the Lord instructs us to do in the Lord's Prayer and in our prayer, to first ask in our prayers and in the Lord's Prayer, to hallow God's name. First thing he says, God's name would be significant weighty and sacred. This morning, we're going to look at why Jesus begins here, why this is the first ask in prayer, but also what it means. So two things this morning, gravity and a name, gravity and a name. I don't know if you know this about me. Maybe you do. I don't know, but I love science fiction. I'm reading uh, Isaac Asimov's foundation series right now. And I love Star Wars and Star Trek. I love Firefly and the expanse. And I guess I know what you're thinking. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) What a nerd. And that's true. But really, Battlestar Galactica is an excellent sci-fi series. And if you really, I mean, you should really watch it. It really is the best. One of my favorite images, though, from science fiction is the image of a starship floating around a planet being suspended in the gravitational pull of the beauty and magnificent of a planet. That image has always captured my imagination. Does nothing for Aaron, so we usually watch Simpsons. But you know, I'm thinking about gravity in relationship to this word hallowed today, because as many of you know, the word here hallowed is related to the Hebrew word for glory. As Tim has mentioned many times, the Hebrew word for glory is this word kavod, and it means heavy, weighty, something that's glorious in Hebrew is something that is significant, weighty and heavy. And when we hallow something, we are giving it more weight, more significance. So you see the connection to gravity, don't you? In space, the more mass, the more weight, the more heavier your planet is, the greater its gravity. And the closer you are to it, the more the gravitational pull of that planet pulls you in into it. You know, everyone has a gravitational center of their soul. Do you know that? How do we find out what a gravitational center is? Well, what do your thoughts constantly orbit around What do you find yourself daydreaming about? In the quiet of the morning or the evening as you're about to sleep, where does your mind go? Your portfolio, the attention of another person, the next move in your career, your health, your beauty, your fading beauty, your place among your friends, your next vacation, your kids' success. We all have a gravitational center of our soul, and prayer especially Prayer illuminates to us what that gravitational center is. Why? Because prayer is often very difficult to do consistently, isn't it? But when is it not hard to pray? When is it easy to pray? When is it easy to come to God and bring him our requests? When is it sometimes easy to pray almost all day? When our gravitational center is threatened. Then prayer comes quickly and easily to our mind and to our lips. Lord, please help me get this promotion. Lord, please don't let anybody find out what I did so I don't lose my reputation. Lord, don't let me be sick. Please help my son get on that team. When our real gravity is threatened, then we come to God easily. The point here is not, that we shouldn't ask about these things from God. God wants us to ask about these things. In fact, later on in the Lord's Prayer, as we're going to find out, he will lead us to ask for our needs, for our daily bread, for forgiveness, for reconciliation. But that is not, notice, the first ask that Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer. Not the first thing to ask about. Instead, the first thing thing—it's not for our needs, our health, or even our forgiveness, but it is for him and for his name becoming the ultimate thing in our life, becoming our real center of gravity, the thing on which we and the world orbits around. So why does Jesus begin here and ask us to begin here in our prayers and worship and adoration of God? Because unless we begin here, I think unless we begin here, all our petitions and asks and prayer are going to be shaped not by God, but by these other sources of gravity in our life. And we will begin to move from praying to God to doing what Tim talked about last Sunday, where we begin using God in our prayer. For example, about forgiveness. If we begin first with forgiveness, then what do we end up doing? We can easily begin to think that our sin or our failure is preventing God from giving us the things that our other gravities demand. So please forgive me, Lord. I won't do that again. So now please get me back into that circle of friends. Please forgive me, Lord. Now, please don't let me lose on this investment. Forgetting personal here, I might as well give you an example I am familiar with. Father, please forgive my sin so that I can write a good sermon that's powerful and I can be appreciated and applauded. If that's my prayer, then to what God did I actually sin against? To God or to my feeling of acclaim? and success in my feeling of spiritual importance. What is my real gravity? You see the difference here? If this is my prayer, then when will I also feel forgiven? I'll feel forgiven when I write a good sermon. Only when the thing my soul was orbiting around, when I get it, then I'll feel forgiven. And then I'll feel like God has heard my prayer. Or for example, in in the prayer asking for our need for our daily bread later on in the Lord's prayer, Notice the prayer is for our daily bread, our basic needs. You know, not our daily uchi, (laughs) not our daily latte, but the most basic thing. Bread is the basic thing of a meal. For our daily breads, if we start there, then what happens is our daily needs, the things that we think we need, they start orbiting around this other gravity of our souls. And then God only becomes good and faithful when he does what? Answers our prayers by providing the thing that keeps us happy And the orbit of this other gravity. And if he doesn't provide those things, then God doesn't hear us, we say. And God is deaf to us or cold. So Jesus showing us how to pray begins with prayer of praise and adoration of God, asking that God would be the weightiest center of gravity of our life and of our souls. Then our forgiveness is contingent not upon what he we feel or our circumstances, but upon God and what he has done and what he says about us. Then when our answers, our prayers, when God answers them and we receive them as gifts and gratitude from God, not as something we feel that we had manipulated to get from God. And then when he doesn't answer our prayers as we wish, we can still trust him because we began not with what we want from God, but we began with him. So our first ask in prayer as Jesus shows us in the Lord's prayer, realigns the gravity of our souls. Now, notice also that we are asking that God's name would be hallowed. Hallowed be your name. What's in a name? A name, of course, conveys and comes with a reputation, doesn't it? There are certain names that we all know because of what they have done. For example, if I say MJ to you, I'm sure an image pops into your mind immediately of Jordan flying from the free throw line, ball in hand, tongue sticking out. And I'm sure you see, if I say the word tiger, you see a red polo shirt and a fist pump holding a putter. And if I say Messi or Ronaldo or some people, we don't even remember their names anymore. They become a totally different name like Coach Prime. He doesn't even have a name anymore. He's Coach Prime. Well, he's the only pro athlete to play in both the World Series and the Super Bowl. That is unbelievable. What if I said the Donald? What images pop into your head? You see, names that carry the actions of individuals and their reputations. So what we are doing in this first ask is asking that God would solidify and strengthen and make more weighty his reputation, his name in the world and in our life. It's essentially what our Old Testament passage is about here in Isaiah 48. Remember the context of Isaiah. God has sent Israel out of the land in which they lived into exile into the land of Babylon because here in verses 1 and 2 and also verse 8, of Isaiah 48, we find out why. Israel, who was named by God, who swore by God's reputation, who confessed God, who sheltered themselves in God's city and under God's name, they stayed themselves there. In other words, they took God's name upon themselves and his reputation upon themselves. And indeed, God gave them his name. But what did they do? Verse eight, they dealt treacherously with God. They rebelled against him. In other words, they used God. They dishonored him and his reputation. They claimed his name, but what did Israel do? They worshiped other gods and said that other gods were the reason that they were getting all the things that they were getting in life, that they were the real source of life instead of God himself. They took God's name and his reputation and dragged it through the mud. But here in chapter 48, God is saying, you'll notice something new to the nation of Israel that he was going to, he was prophesying through Isaiah that he was going to restore them to redeem them, to bring them back into the land. And he gives us, why? Verses eight, sorry, verses nine through 11. Why does he do this? For my name's sake, for his name, because of his reputation. And what is God's reputation that he wants to maintain? Notice verse nine here, his patience. I defer my anger, his grace. I restrain my anger for you. Why? So that I may not be cut off from you. He wants to maintain his faithfulness to his people. They had cut him off and worshiped other gods, but he says, however, I will not be unfaithful to my promise to you. I will not be cut off from you. I'm going to purify you and perfect you like silver in a fire in verse 10. I'm going to do it graciously over time. Why? Because I have given you my name and I will make sure that my name comes good in you and through you for the glory of his reputation God says, I'm committing to redeeming you, my people, and redeeming my name among you. And what did that commitment lead to? It's everything Paul talks about in Philippians chapter two. Notice in Philippians chapter two, what Jesus does here and what Paul says that Jesus does was the mind of Christ. These are not amazing acts of prowess and skill and power and ability. Jesus doesn't come to earth and become prime time. In other words, what does he come with? humility. Verse six, he was not orbiting so tightly around his own glory in heaven with equality with God that he could not let it go. Rather, what he does is he empties himself to become what? A servant from the glory of heaven to earth as the world's servant. And then Paul says, then he takes on even greater humility, the humility of death, even death on a cross. The crosses are pretty ubiquitous for us. We've got a cross right here and crosses on each of these and crosses over here. I'm sure many of you are wearing cross necklaces. I'm sure you've seen many people with cross tattoos on. But We often forget what a cross actually is. It's an instrument of public torture and humiliation. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but the early church was very reluctant to use the cross as a symbol in anything that they did. Certainly in their worship spaces, they much preferred Jesus as a good shepherd with a sheep over his shoulders carrying his people because they were so close to crosses, they knew what crosses meant. If you were hung on a cross, your reputation was shot. You were dying in pain on some trash heap outside the city, defeated, a loser, forgotten. But notice, God is saying, here is where I will take my name and my reputation because I am committed to not being cut off from you. The cross will be my reputation. I will be associated with that. And my name will be associated with that so I can redeem you even at the highest cost. So I can restore to you my name. All the other gods, the ones the nation of Israel worship, the idols that we in our own hearts are tempted to worship, all the other religions of the world, they demand that you put it right. They demand that you make yourself glorious and significant. You hallow yourself so that the gods will pay attention to you. But this God is the opposite. He comes to us. He humbles himself. He goes to the lowest part in order to reach even the lowest. Who cannot hallow anything, let alone themselves. To share his name with them. With all those who come to him and entrust themselves to him. That is why Paul says, at the end of this passage in Philippians chapter 2, why Jesus' name will be exalted beyond all other names, all other reputations, why all creation, he says, in heaven and on earth and under the earth will eventually bow down before him and claim him as Lord, because this is how God protects his reputation through death, even death on a cross. Jesus' name is exalted, not because he crucified and defeated all his opponents, but because he was crucified for his opponents, that they might be given his name, that they might be brought into relationship with God of the universe, with God the Father. That's what we mean when we pray this prayer, when God asks us to hallow his name and his reputation. We are not asking that the idea or the concept of God would get impressive and significant and weighty in the world, but rather all that I just spoke about would become greater to us and into the world because a name doesn't just carry reputation. Name also carries relationship and signifies intimacy and personal connection. I had a boss once. (laughs) where every time I came into work, he would just say, Hey, buddy. Hey, dude. Hey, man. And once I'm asking, man, do you even know my name? And he said, yeah, buddy. And then walked off. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, we did not have a real relationship. We did not have a good relationship. When we say our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We are praying that God would be known as what? What is the context of this prayer? That God would be known as father in the world. And God is revealed as father through his son, Jesus. Because his son is what makes him a father. And what did Jesus say? If you have seen me, you have seen the father. See, at the cross, Jesus perfectly reveals the father to us. And at the cross, Jesus takes God's name and perfectly vindicates it. And so our first ask in prayer is to ask that God would be at work in his world, bringing people to know him as father, reordering the gravity and the weightiness of our own souls and life around the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ, the revelation of God, the father through the Son, would be like the sun around which our souls and the world itself orbits. The sun sends out its light and brings its warmth and life to our soul's to our lives. One of the beautiful aspects, I think, of the plans for the new sanctuary, and we have a small portion model, small model of the sanctuary out in the narthex now that you can go take a look at, but one of the beautiful things, I think, is the bell tower out in the front. It's a bell tower crowned at the steeple with a cross. And historically, we might not think this way anymore, but historically, that's actually a strange juxtaposition, because what are bells for? Those create music, especially music of joy and laughter and delight. But the cross is the world's weapon of humiliation and death. But in Jesus Christ, those are joined together and lifted high for everyone to see because we believe this is the very center of the world where God proves his love to us and to the world and proves his commitment to not cut us off by his son Jesus being cut off from God the Father on the cross for our behalf. So now the symbol of humiliation can be joined to songs of joy and praise and life. And God's name can be hallowed for all to see and to be drawn to. A couple of weeks ago, a group came from Fort Worth, uh, from a church up there that we know and are affiliated with. And they were come there doing their own building campaign. And so they wanted to come speak with our architect here who designed this space and the sanctuary, Arthur Anderson, and the building committee was made up of a couple of pastors from that church. And then several kind of lay people in the building committee. And we met out here and I showed them around the campus and different things around here and talked with them for a while. And then one of the people on the committee said to me, I have a question for you. Some of the people in our church, they kind of asked us, why are we building a sanctuary? And why start with a sanctuary? Why not build like a multifunctional space or a community center or classrooms or something else that can be used in different ways? And how would you answer that, he asked me. Well, I answered that worship is the first and primary thing that a Christian and the church is called to do. But I think thinking about the Lord's prayer, I would have just answered this way. How the Lord answers. He the beginning of prayer is hallowed be your name first thing we ask of God is that his name, his reputation, his glory would be heavy and known in our life and in the world that we would adore and worship him. For when that gravity is set correctly in our lives, then we don't rotate around the elevation of our own names or our own plans or our own reputations or our strengths or abilities, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the crucified son of God, the father, redeemer of our souls, redeemer of the world, Then we can do what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2. We can have the mind of Christ, not looking only to our own interests and what we want or what we need, but we can look to others and their interests. The Lord's Prayer begins us in prayer by adoring God. It begins us in the sanctuary where we might be captured into the gravitational pull of the goodness and glory of God, and we can bring others cords and around him to be warned by the light of his gospel in this place here in Austin for the city of Austin to spread the light of the good news of the gospel of God all over the city and the world and for future generations even in this exact place and so we pray hallowed be your name for your name's sake amen father we do ask that you would make in our lives and in our souls your name, your reputation, your beauty and glory, heavy and weighty, the very gravity of our lives. Father, we pray that you pour out your spirit upon us to do that. We pray that in your son's Jesus' name, amen.